Welcome to Regal's RideCast, where we share all things LiDAR. I'm Nikita Gridden, Training Coordinator for Regal USA. This series features interviews with industry experts from around the world. Innovative LiDAR applications, best practices, workflow advice, and even exciting news about hardware and software. The podcasts are produced by Regal at their North American headquarters located in Central Florida and available worldwide through our Regal newsroom on www.regal.com. Please visit our website to subscribe to the newsroom. Simply input your email address and click. It's that easy. The Regal.com website is a great place to find detailed information on the many LiDAR scanning hardware, firmware, and software products that Regal provides, or request more information or a call from a Regal specialist. In today's RideCast, Michael Sitar, Executive Management Consultant, checks in with Ron Chappell, CEO of Geo1. Their conversation reveals Ron's inspiration to venture into the LiDAR industry, establishing Geo1, and discuss some exciting international projects their team has worked on. Ron's team utilizes a custom integration with a set of Regal Vux 1LR scanners, as well as the VQ480 Mark II for several applications, such as city modeling and corridor mapping. Let's join the conversation as Michael and Ron go into further detail regarding these projects, including work with the National Geographic Society acquiring high-resolution scans of mountainous terrain for research initiatives. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to RICAST, Regal USA's new podcast platform for geospatial topics and technologies, with a special emphasis on LIDAR and imaging solutions for survey applications. My name is Michael Sitar, and I'll be your host for this installment of RICAST. Today, I have the pleasure to speak to Mr. Ron Chappell, CEO of Aero Filmworks, and a new business initiative, Geo1, with offices in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Hawthorne, California. Ron, welcome. Good morning, Michael. I'm really excited to secure a little bit of your time this morning. Uh, however, before we really get started, can you tell me, how's the COVID-19 pandemic affecting your business? Uh, first of all, thanks, Michael, for having me on this RICAST. I'm really excited and, you know, and appreciate you know, all the support that Regal has provided us over the years. To answer the question of uh, has COVID affected our business, uh, it's only affected it on a logistics front and just really basic ways, which would be, you know, sometimes FedEx doesn't deliver the day you think they should and shipments might be delayed a day or ahead of time by a day. Uh, and then, you know, from the very beginning, we've always taken a very, you know, high road on safety for helicopter safety. You know, all of our team go through various training safety classes for flying in the wire environment. So we viewed COVID very much from the same uh, point of view. We evaluated it as a risk to our crew so that we could develop the uh, best mitigation practices. Well, that, that's a great approach. So tell me a bit about yourself. How did you get involved with helicopters? <laughs> I think my first aerial flight was in 1980. So what is that, like 40 years ago? In a tiny little helicopter taking uh, photographs, I started out as a, as a photographer and just really enjoyed that perspective of, you know, not being on the ground, not being in a, you know, an airliner at 30,000 feet, but being a few hundred feet above the ground. And that gradually evolved into doing aerial cinema about 15 years ago, really just after Planet Earth came out and all those amazing gyro-stabilized aerials. Uh, so started in 
you know, aerial filming first, which is, you know, kind of an extension of doing photography. But, uh, you know, video is nothing more than, you know, millions of frames put together. Exactly. In fact, that's an interesting comment you made about the uh, gyro-stabilized platforms. They've really become almost a core part of the sensor configuration nowadays. So your business appears to be split into a couple different segments then. Clearly, there's one on the entertainment or advertising industries, as well as the corridor mapping industry, which I guess would be your your Geo One company. Can you explain the rationale for these very different focuses? What might seem like two different emphasis on our business, one for aerial cinema, doing nature documentary projects, feature films, reality shows, and doing LIDAR and high-resolution image to us is really not that different. The platform is the same. Our crews are very much the same. We've trained many of our aerial cinematographers to operate LIDAR because they already knew their way around a helicopter and the safety protocols. So we just see with aerial video, aerial cinema, we're collecting pixels in much the same way. We're just collecting pixels when we're you know, doing LIDAR and doing imaging. When you create aerial cinema, it after the project is done, the media gets handed off to the production team. There's a lot of editing that goes on behind the scenes to communicate a point of view. And very much the same with LiDAR. We're on the, I guess you might say, the tip of the spear in the sense of we are collecting data that then will take a team of people to pull together to process and analyze and provide uh, different solutions. So you started originally in the aerial filming business and you've been transitioning um, and conducting mapping exercises now. What proportion of your business is in the mapping domain versus, say, the aerial filming domain? Great question. Uh, We started Geo One five, six years ago when we purchased our first Regal Vux 1LR. Uh, At that time, our, let's call it industrial work, where we were doing gyro-stabilized video of, you know, electric corridors and other types of projects. Uh, It was perhaps only 20% of our business. And in the last five years, we've pivoted where uh, now the aerial cinema is only 20% of our business. So we've completely pivoted from having aerial cinema to be the majority of our business and to now the aerial mapping being the majority of our business. Well, if that mapping is being undertaken on helicopter platforms, I have to assume that the market vertical you're focusing on must be in the corridor segment. Yes, that's correct. I would say two-thirds of our work are in corridor, and corridor being you know, defined as anything long and linear. So whether that's an electric corridor, oil, gas, coastal, Department of Transportation, all of those for us are corridor work. However, when we purchased the Regal VQ480 Mark II, that opened us up into doing more wide area work. And the wide area work we're doing doesn't compete at all with 3DAP. It's much more for specialty areas where we might be in a rugged terrain with low-lying clouds and we need to fly at, say, 700 feet AGL versus, you know, 7,000 feet AGL. We've also done some really fun uh, interesting archaeological work, uh, both with our dual Vux as well as the VQ 480. So, Ron, why invest in LiDAR in the first place? Why add this sensor technology to your sensor fleet? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, probably 
you know, clients say, well, you know, we were doing the aerial video, you know, someone along the line said, well, are you ever going to do LIDAR? And I'm like, I, I can't spell LIDAR. What is that? Uh, and then uh, after starting to research it and look into LIDAR, I just became fascinated that we could look at our world in three dimensions and then measure everything within our world. So I guess our new goal is to scan the world, but it just became fascinating to me as another way to visually interpret the uh, the world, you know, out there below us. That, yes, exactly. It's, it's, it is interesting. Um, in fact, we often see imagery combined with LIDAR uh, in terms of fused sensor products. Um, so on, on, on that end, how do you generate your LIDAR end products? And do you combine those with imagery as well? We work both as a acquisition partner and, uh, you know, a few prime clients. So what we're doing in many cases is delivering the LIDAR and the co-acquired imagery. One really cool project that we did last fall was with the Hong Kong International Airport Authority. So we collected LIDAR of the airport and then came back and built a uh, five-look camera system that used uh, phase 100 and 150 megapixel cameras to look front, back, left, right, and nadir. And that imagery along with the LIDAR was then sent off to another company that specialized in creating digital twins. And, and that for us is really exciting to, you know, to see the, as you say, the the fusion of multiple image looks with the three-dimensional LIDAR data. Yeah, that's becoming pretty commonplace, especially for urban mapping. So it sounds like you've got quite a bit of experience in multi-sensor platforms. When I when I look at your website, you in fact, it looks like you've developed a multi-LIDAR platform. Can you explain a little bit how you use that sensor and for what types of applications that configuration would be applied? Sure, Michael. We developed the, the dual VUX system about three, four years ago, and it was really driven by client need. We had a electric corridor project, and there were very small poles. They were uh, 69 kV, and we at first owned just one VUX 1LR, and it was configured in a just a nadir position. And we weren't quite picking up enough information with that single sensor. So just really brainstorming, I think, you know, there could have been a few beers involved. So I we said, we'll just put two scanners, you know, in the pod. <laughs> We're like, of course. Of course. <laughs> you know, that, that sounds great. And I'm like, okay, you know, I barely started to pay off the first one and we're trying to buy another one. So, uh, but we started researching and just started on the back of a napkin really and said, well, let's, we put two scanners in and we can't one, you know, up 10 degrees and another one down 10 degrees and, you know, then clock them left and right. We might pick up a lot more information, really four angles out of two scanners. The first thing we did, and this came out of the cinema, is that we had a 10 degree wedge plate that we could actually cant the entire single scanner. So we did that, and the data just from that 10 degree uh, look slightly looking up angle improved the quality of the data. So that got us really excited to put in the you know the two scanners with the uh, the four different angles. So that really improves your vertical density. So you're getting a lot more vertical structural information. Is that correct? Correct. So the uh, if you think of a, a power pole, uh, as we approach that pole, 
the scanner that's tilted up is painting points on the front side of that pole. And then as we go past the pole, then the one that's tilted down is painting the other side of the pole. And at the same time, the clocking left and right of each scanner is putting an X pattern across the uh, across arms or, you know, any structures uh, or any parts of that structure that would otherwise not get as many points. Interesting, it also allows us when we're passing over structures, so say a house, we can pick up a few points on the side of the house that might be under an eave or a canopy, where with just a nadir point of view, that's very difficult to do. You know, uh, LiDAR manufacturers have developed mobile mapping solutions with that very similar configuration in the ground environment. It's interesting to see that moved up into an airborne environment. In fact, I think you started a trend. I, I've spoken to other companies that are starting to implement uh, similar configurations as well. And so I think you're a pioneer <laughs> on the uh, airborne well, maybe side. just in the maybe just on the airborne side. I, I do have to say we were inspired by the uh, the Regal mobile mapping systems, and we're like, well, we're just going to make a mobile mapper and stick it on a helicopter. And there you, know? you go. And, um, how do you see your business changing over the next three to five years? So you've you you know you started in the aerial business, your aerial film works. You're you're still there, obviously, as you mentioned, you're starting to transition more heavily into the mapping, how do you see your business changing? I mean, clearly you've been able to adapt to changes as times have changed. Good question. One that, you know, as a small business, we ask all the time, you know, what's what's our future like? And we see our future, uh, you know, continuing certainly with the corridor and with the helicopter as a specialty. We get the question, are you going to, you know, are you going to do drones? And the answer for that is that we've been so busy with helicopter work that we're going to just stick with that niche for now. And what we've done is partner with a UAS company that actually flies Regal sensors so that we know the, the quality of the product that we can deliver. But for the future, we see a lot more data capture for the digital twin market. Uh, and this is all in addition to you know just seeing the electric market uh, continue to grow. With you know restricted travel, I really see the ability to create digital twins with incredibly high resolution data uh, as a future opportunity. We're getting you know more and more calls uh, for that, so that we will have a model of that city or of that large infrastructure uh, that we may not be able to visit in person, but we can visit on a virtual level. So, Ron, I, I think you explained it to our listeners. Uh, digital twinning is a a three D representation of an urban environment. That's correct. I don't know the origin of that term, uh, and in the beginning, it wasn't you know, what is a digital twin? Uh, and it really is just as you said, a, a complete model uh, of uh, not only an urban environment, but really any infrastructure. In a sense, it's uh, like a building, uh, a BIM system, uh, but from the air. And the uh, the projects that we've done have also incorporated uh, mobile LIDAR data or terrestrial LIDAR so that at the same time we are collecting the airborne, there's a, another crew on the ground collecting uh, data from a terrestrial or a mobile point of view that then they fuse together uh, for a complete model. Now, you've done a lot of really interesting things, and you've been to a lot of interesting places. In fact, you made a comment in a, in a recent article. Someone asked you the question, where are you? 
And uh, at one time, you, you thought by simply identifying the location was enough. But I hear you saying now, the question is more like, well, where exactly am I? <laughs> Can you explain a little bit more about <laughs> your comment on that? Sure. So out of the aerial cinema, we, we traveled probably to 30 plus countries, you know, always finding just amazing landscapes, whether that was in Patagonia or, you know, the east coast of Taiwan. And, it, you know, part of that, it built our our ability to handle logistics and to, to pick up and go uh, anywhere. But we'd get back with this incredible footage and clients or friends would say, where, where was that? And I'm like, well, was in Patagonia or it was this volcano or this desert, you know, in northern Chile. And out of that, we started developing a system to take the GPS time signal and jam sync it with the video time code so that we could have a track of exactly where we were flying. Uh, we would deliver that to our nature documentary clients so they could see exactly uh, where we were. Uh, that's interesting. Um, it's it's sort of a precursor to all the flight tracking that's done today for a lot of the project work that we see. In fact, uh, you've actually done a LIDAR survey, if I'm not mistaken, of a glacier in the Himalayas. Uh, yes. So we worked with National Geographic Society. And as part of an, a really large initiative, we were just the small part doing the, the mapping, uh, where a number of scientists, I believe 30 plus scientists, were funded to do research on the Kumbu uh, Glacier and the Kumbu Icefall. And uh, part of that was to install the world's highest weather station. Uh, I think somewhere around the 20, I'm guessing around the 25,000 uh, foot level, which now that data is actually available online for everybody. Wow. Uh, so we did uh, high resolution uh, imagery as well as uh, LIDAR of the, of the probably about 10 miles of the glacier from as high as we could go, which was in the 22,000 to 23,000 foot uh, range, arguably probably the highest helicopter LIDAR acquisition that's been done. Wow, that's incredible. Listen, in your opinion, what do you think the value of the geospatial industry brings to the world? How do you see geospatial information and technology benefiting the average person? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, beyond just the commercial aspects of being able to map quicker, see defects, keep electric corridors safe. My first thought is that LIDAR is about two things. One is digital preservation of the world around us so that whether the influences are man-made or from nature, we can create an incredible high-resolution digital record of how the world exists today. And based on that information, it unlocks just a ton of research capability for anybody in the archaeology field, in the botany field, in the geology field to study the landforms and what is beneath, say, a, a jungle canopy or, or even areas that we can see with our eyes. It gives us a whole new level of understanding of what's out there. Ron, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's really interesting to hear your perspectives. You obviously have a tremendous amount of experience in this business. I want to thank you specifically for taking the time to share with us the details of Geo1's unique LiDAR collection capabilities, and I'm wishing you and the Geo1 team a successful 2020. 
Thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate the time and, and the support that we get from, from Regal. Absolutely. Have a great day. All right, you too. Thank you so much. Wow, that's some fascinating insight on the many ways Regal scanners are implemented worldwide. Special thanks to Michael and Ron for sharing with us today. And don't forget, you can subscribe to our RyeCast anywhere you listen to podcasts and the Regal Ultimate Ladder webinar series through our international newsroom on www.regal.com. You, the Regal users, give us the best stories to tell. We always appreciate your suggestions, so please send us your ideas or comments to communications at regalusa.com. And as always, have an ultimate LiDAR day. Until next time, Nikita signing off.